It is Sunday, October 11th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Kimono MMA Podcast. Today's topics, the UFC bonus system should go away, and that money should go to providing UFC fighters with a $16,800 stipend per year per fighter. Joaquin Buckley's knockout of Impa, I'm not going to try and pronounce his last name, is worth exponentially more to the UFC, ESPN, and ESPN Plus than it is to Buckley. Pay the man a percentage of the free press he drew for the UFC. Did Corey Sandhagen set the UFC Bantamweight division back on course? And if so, where is Aljamain Sterling's title fight? Impa, again, not going to try and pronounce his last name, is off to a good start in getting over the viral knockout. On second thought, there is a small portion of the MMA community that I do have some disdain for. And we don't need unity in Ben Rothwell's hometown of Kenosha, Wisconsin. We need equality in Kenosha and everywhere else. The status quo is not acceptable. It seems like every couple of years I have to go over the information on UFC bonuses and how it would make sense for the bonus system to go away. At least it would make sense for the fighters for the bonus system to go away, not so much for the UFC. For the UFC, the bonus system is a, a benefit because it keeps fighters from banding together. It keeps them divided. It keeps them searching for this mythical $50,000 bonus, which is highly taxed bonus, 22% tax rate on a, on a bonus because it's supplemental income. So right off the top, $11,000 comes off. And why it would make sense for the UFC to, for the fighters to get rid of the bonus system is because if the UFC holds 42 events a year and $200,000 in bonuses are handed out at every one of those fights, fight cards, that equals $8 million. If you divide that $8 million out over say 500 fighters on the UFC roster, well then that would equal $16,800 to each of those UFC fighters if, if that bonus money went to the fighters directly. And that would be a, an incredible amount for a stipend for every fighter. So every fighter would start the year or every quarter they would get $4,000 and $4,200. So every quarter you would get a check for $4,200. And then that money could go towards training, eating, and, and, and anything. It could go towards anything. And the benefit of that is that $16,800, if handled well, could go a long way towards helping many of those 500 UFC fighters on the roster to become full-time athletes and not have to hand, have a second or third job to provide an income. And that's one of the biggest drawbacks in the UFC. These guys are part-time professional athletes, which is horrendous. Now, I understand some folks like Steve Miocic want to have a job, and that's fine. But more often than not, these people don't want to have a job in, in, in addition to their training. They need to have a job in addition to their training. And that means they are not training up to par. They're not performing up to par. And they are not 100% full-time professional athletes. And so that is going to reduce the quality 
of the of the sport. It just is. So you'll get lower quality fights on the bottom of a card because the fight pay is starts at $12,000. So if you lose your first two fights and you only fight two times a year, well, that's $24,000. But if you add the 16-8 on top of that, well, now that's over $40,000. And that, while it might not be a livable wage for a fighter who has a lot of expenses that a normal everyday um, employee would have, it would go a long way towards preventing these fighters from having to get, like I said, a full-time job and train on top of that full-time job, maybe to get a part-time job. Maybe they are single and can scratch by on that and pay all their, all their um, fees and food and gym expenses and managers. I would love to see those fight bonuses go away because I don't like how they're handled. They're arbitrary. There's no rhyme or reason to them. They're just selected on who, whoever thinks that that fight deserves a, a bonus. So if you like, if we all know who Dana White likes and that's dudes and, you know, guys and gals that just go out and slug it out, well, that counts. That removes a lot of uh, grappling-based fighters from the, from the pool from the get. And so it, it makes sense for the fighters to go and get away from that. It makes sense for the UFC to stay on that because if the UFC hangs that that brass ring out there, you know, and says that you could get $50,000 if you really try hard, well, that's going to keep the fighters divided. My advice would be the fighters push for, get a, get rid of this bonus system and get a stipend of $16,800 per year, $4,200 a quarter, because that is going to go much farther for 500 fighters than it will for the handful of fighters who are going to get bonuses during the course of the year. And we know, I think the, most of the bonuses do go to the main card fighters. So the lower paid fighters aren't even, they have a less of a chance to even get the awards. The bonus system is structured as structured to keep division in the, in the UFC ranks and it's working. It's working. But it needs to be done away with. And it needs to be done away with as soon as possible. The knockout that Joaquin Buckley had on Saturday night will go down in UFC history as one of the best, if not the best, knockout in, in the UFC, in, in the history of the UFC. I, I don't think it was better than the Edson Barboza and Terry Adam knockout. But some folks do. I think it fell to second. But it's definitely up there in the top you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who would find that not in the top three or four of uh, knockouts in UFC history. And immediately after the event, you saw that it would it just took off on social media. And the last number I heard was that it was shared and viewed. It was viewed 10.5 million times, which is just incredible. And now we know that that the value of that to ESPN and the UFC has to also be just in, incredible. And so what, what Joaquin Buckley made from that fight, as, as far as disclosed goes, is $50,000. Now I'm going to assume he made twenty four in pay because he was in his second fight. He lost his first, so he'll probably stay, he probably stayed at 12. And then he got 12 for the, for the win, so he probably made seventy-four thousand dollars overall, 
And again, that is assumption based on past practice and past pay models. Um, but we don't know for 100% sure. And so I can guarantee you that the, US, the value of that knockout is worth many, 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 many times more than what Buckley was paid and probably what he will ever make as a UFC fighter. And um, Darren Rovell used to do these things on, on Twitter where he would, I guess he was in touch with some kind of group that figured out how much a how much free advertising value something came to when something like this happened. And one of the things I looked up was when the, uh, I forget what it was, but it was worth $13 million in, in advertising. Um, I think it was the... Uh, the, the ball family when they had all the, the basketball stuff going on. I think that when that, when that was at its height, it, it generated $13 million in free advertising for that brand. And while I don't know if that, I reached out to the company and, and to see if they could figure this out. And I don't know if it will, but I'd be very interested to see what it breaks down to is the value of that knockout and the sharing of the video how that breaks down into free advertising for ESPN, ESPN Plus, and the UFC. And it, it's, it's going to dwarf Buckley's pay. That's a guarantee. So is that fair? I'm not sure. Well, no, it's not fair. It's definitely not fair. And especially definitely not fair when the guy made, you know, I'm assuming he's made $74,000. Say that UFC even hands him an extra, gives him $200,000, which I don't think they will because the timing and the, the, the financial situation of Endeavor is not such that it's going to be willing to hand out an arbitrary uh, bonus like the Fertitas used to do back in when they owned the UFC because Endeavor is relying far too much on the UFC to bring in its cash. So keep that in mind when these things happen. The, the the UFC benefits much more and the ESP, ESPN and ESPN Plus benefit much more than the fighters do when these viral videos take off. It, it helps get the fighter's name out there. Maybe it gets them a low-value sponsor. And va low value, I mean, as in pays them a lower value. Not that it's a low-value sponsor, but just that it, it doesn't generate a lot of income for the fighter. So keep that in mind when all these things go viral, when knockouts go viral, submissions, and social media, and when Dana White's bragging about the social media reach of himself and the UFC, the fighters don't benefit from that. Only the UFC and Dana White, Dana White and Endeavor benefit from that. So again, the labor makes the money, generates the viral moments, doesn't benefit from the viral moments. And again, that's wrong, and it needs to change. I would like to think that Corey Sanhagen set the UFC Bantamweight division on the right course on Saturday night when he knocked out Marlon Marias with a spinning kick that was the second-best spinning kick on the card, which is kind of incredible. But I don't know yet. We don't know yet. Uh, Sterling has Aljamain Sterling has been in line for a title shot for quite a while and Sandhagen's win while impressive does not well let me let me take that back 
should not remove the fact that Sterling submitted Sanhagen earlier in the year in the first round. So if we're going by deserves, and we know the UFC rarely goes by deserves, the title shot should go to Aljamain Sterling. Even Sandhagen in his in his post-fight speech said that he was going to take another fight and that he expected to get the winner of Sandhagen and current UFC Bantamweight um, champion Petr Jan, which was, I appreciate that Sandhagen did that because after that win, he could have, could have called out for the title shot. And there's a good chance the UFC would have given him that title shot because for some reason, Sterling is on the shit list. And I think it's because, and this is the only thing I can figure, unless there's something going on way deep in the background, the only thing I can figure is that Sterling is being used as an example to every other fighter on the UFC roster to not pursue free agency too early in your career. A few years ago, I forget when it was, Sterling did pursue free agency. He ended up signing back with the UFC, but I don't. But I, I think that it was frowned upon by the UFC, and they, they still might not like that. And so the message is going to be, and, and it, true or not, this is how I'm seeing it because this is how it appears. And I'm going to guess that a lot of UFC fighters are also seeing it this way. Don't rock the boat when you're still not an established star. Or don't rock the boat ever, but much less so when you're not an established star. And I think Sterling is just serving as an example of the UFC's pettiness. He deserves a title fight. He has, has deserved a title fight. And he still has not been confirmed as the next UFC Bantamweight title challenger. It makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. And that's the only thing I can think of. So I want to say to Sanhagen that um, in a sport where you don't have to look out for another person and you and it they fighters rarely do look out for each other it was a breath of fresh air to to see him do that and to see him say hey Aljamain Sterling and Petr Jan is the fight to make and then I'll take the winner of that fight so good on him and now it's in the UFC's hands should they make that fight that fight should have been booked when when Jan won the title, so does it does it take everything out of the picture and make it a hundred percent guarantee that Sterling is going to get the fight? No, no, it doesn't. Should it? Should it guarantee? Yes, yes, it should. So speaking of respect, and speaking of Joaquin Buckley's knockout, Impa, I'm not going to try the last name because I'll just butcher it. But you know who he is if you watch the fight was unbeaten before this event and he was being praised as someone to watch by Dana White after he got his contract on the Contender Series. And so in my story for the winners and losers story for Bloody Elbow, I pointed out that the one thing I wanted to see was how Impa handled the loss, which is going to be replayed. And he, he has to know this is going to be replayed on every UFC highlight reel it's probably already been cut into the opening of the pay-per-view cards, probably maybe even right next to uh, Barboza and Adams' fight. But it's going to be in there 
it, it almost ha it has to be in there. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Impa's going to be one of those guys who has to watch himself get knocked out over and over and over and over again throughout his career. And he's young, so he could be watching that for a long time. And so my, my concern was, how is he going to handle that? Not just a knockout, but that he's going to be a highlight reel knockout loss. And judging from what he said on social media on Saturday night, he's starting out strong. He, he said a lot, all the right things in his, um, he sent a message to Buckley and he sent, said all the right things in that message. So any concerns I had were reduced greatly by that message. I was very impressed by that. And yeah, it's going to sting. That, that loss is going to sting for him, for him for a long time. But it looks like he's handling it very well, at least on the night that it happened. So it's a great start for him on handling that loss. And if he can, you know, forget about it, well, not forget about it, but put it back in the back of his mind and focus on the future and not look back, good for him. I don't know if I could do that. I'd be pretty pretty upset and pretty salty, I think, if that, if that was me. But um, maybe uh, maybe Impha is made of uh, different stuff. But look, uh, by all appearances, stand-up guy and uh, saying all the right things after that setback. So good for him. Good for him. And uh, again, good for uh, Sandhagen for saying that Sterling should get the title shot. So I was accused of looking down on the MMA community. Um and I don't think that's true. I don't have a disdain for the MMA community. And I've explained this many times. I have a disdain for the MMA business, most specifically the UFC business, because I think it's crooked and I think it rewards the UFC and Dana White more than it rewards the people that generate the income for and revenue for Dana White and the UFC and Endeavor. I think the UFC had a chance to make things right at the time of the sale, it could have took some of that money and it could have invested it in the fighters. It did not do that. And by invested in the fighters, I mean financially invested in the fighters. It did not do that. It sold the UFC as a business that would generate revenues of 80% and the fighters would get 20%. And that's what the appeal was to the buyers. And so now, if that's how it was sold, that's the ex expectation going forward. And the fighters are always going to be fighting for scraps. Dana White and the UFC could have done things right. It, they didn't. They just said, you know what? We have money. We want more money. And yeah, sure, that's capitalism. But sooner or later, and, and the, the fighters found out sooner, when the... The, the workers find out that they're getting screwed so badly, sooner or later they're going to rise up, or at least they should. And that's how you get a union or a, an association, and then that's how the, the revenue shares kind of even out or start to even out. Sooner or later that's going to happen. The UFC and Dana White could have instituted things at the time of the sale to begin that process. It would have calmed and quieted a lot of labor strife right from there. Instead, they the UFC kept the status quo. 
And I don't think any of the fighters are happy with the status quo because why should they be when they're making less than 20% of the revenue and they look at every other sport, professional sport, and those folks are making closer to 50-50 split with the uh, organizations. But the UFC has ruled and continues to rule by fear and intimidation. And that will be the case until someone steps up and says enough is enough. Will that happen? Maybe. Maybe. Could the UFC have avoided it for many years to come? Yeah. Yeah. Even if the UFC would have boosted or boosted the fighters' share of the revenue to 30%, that would have calmed the strife incredibly. That would have made the fighters, and I believe the media, feel a lot better of the future. Now, would that have changed in five, six years when the, when the split stayed the same? Yep. Yeah, it would have because then you find out that you got suckered. But now you got suckered even worse. You found out all this information. You found out how much revenue the UFC makes and you found out everything you need to know. And the UFC said, yep, that's how it is. Tough shit. And the fighters up until this point have maybe grumbled, maybe spoke up for their own pay increases under the guise of speaking up for all the fighters. But we've seen when when the fighters themselves that have spoke up got their share, they kind of shut up about the whole thing. And so this will just keep burning on the back burner on a low boil until it, until the lid pops off. Hopefully that lid pops off soon. Um, but we shall see. So back to the uh, disdain for the for the um, MMA community. I don't have that. I don't have a disdain for the MMA community. Not as a whole. Now there is a sliver of that community that I do have disdain for. And I'll admit that because that's the, that's the sliver of the MMA community that buys what UFC president Dana White is selling no matter what he sells. They see Dana White and they think that he's some kind of badass, that he's just a, a great boss and that he can do no wrong. Everything does he, that he does is a right move. And yeah, it is a right move for the UFC and for Dana White. But for the people that generate the revenue, it's an incredibly wrong move. And I would ask those people, the, 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 blind, the blind supporters of Dana White and the UFC, would you want Dana White as your boss? Would you want Dana White saying, you know what, I have 80% of the revenue and I'm going to keep it that way and I'm going to keep you guys down in the shithole. But every time you hear me, I'm going to be bragging about how great business is going. You're never going to see a raise and you can fight for scraps, scraps and I'll say that, you know, you can fight over these little bonuses every once in a while and I'll hand those out and those bonuses will be less than I tip my, uh, my blackjack dealer on the regular, but I'm going to keep all the money. You wouldn't want Dana White as your boss. I can guarantee you that if ever, that all these blind supporters of Dana White in the UFC had Dana White as their boss, they would be going crazy. Crazy. He's not a good boss and leader. Not for the, not for the workers. You want a fair boss you want a honest boss you want someone that's going to straight shoot for you shoot 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 straight with you and not 
lie to you and not throw you under the bus at the first opportunity and not look to reduce your pay at every opportunity they get. But that's what Dana White is. So all these blind supporters of Dana White, if they had him as their as their boss, it would drive them crazy. And and you know, these these folks don't even get health insurance in a job that is incredibly dangerous. They're not employees. They're independent contractors. They don't get health insurance. They get injury insurance during fight camp. The UFC is a terrible business for its fighters. Awful. But yet you have these people who just cheer Dana White on no matter what. They think he's some kind of you know, tough guy, badass, because he curses a lot and screams. But he's just a bully. That's all he is. He's a bully. And if you want that kind of boss, well, I don't I don't know what goes on inside your head, but I would never want that kind of boss. So do I have disdain for a small sliver of the MMA community? Yeah, but I think they brought that on themselves because I think if they looked at the big picture, and that's another thing they refuse to look at, they refuse to see that these fighters are out there giving everything they have while Dana White literally profits off their body, blood, sweat, and labor. And he he risks nothing at this time. In fact, he really didn't risk anything ever because the risk was came from the Fertitta brothers who were the money side of the things. So White has been nothing but a heartless profiteer and people see that as a great thing. They wouldn't want that for themselves but they see that as a great thing. And when you bring it up, the defense is, well, they don't have to fight for the UFC. True, they don't. But if they want to be professional fighters and they want to fight for the biggest organization in the world, they do have to fight for the UFC. That argument is is just silly. So, yeah, I think that group I, I have a rightful disdain for. And... I wish they would, you know, just see some some levels and nuance in this. They're either incapable of doing that or unwilling to do that, and and yeah, that, I think that's the kind of that those are the kind of people that I I I will never reach, and I hope that maybe some as they get older get swayed to the right side of things, but I don't have any faith in that. I just don't. So we'll see. We'll see, but you know what? I'm not going to suffer fools like I've said, and I'm not going to lie, and that's just how I feel. And if you want to discuss it with me, fine, we can discuss it. I'd be very interested to find out why people blindly follow Dana White. I would really like to know. I don't, and I don't think anyone should. I mean, you can follow him some ways, but if everything, if everything he does is right, blind allegiance is never a good thing. Never a good thing. One thing that bothered me on the broadcast last night was when Karen Bryant was speaking about Ben Rothwell and the things that had happened in his hometown of Kenosha. And she said that she was hoping for unity in Kenosha. And that kind of made me mad. And it, it still isn't sitting well with me because... I don't, I think asking for unity is kind of a cop-out. Um, 
I don't think unity is what the people in Kenosha or anyone in the Black Lives Matter movement or anyone in a human rights movement wants. I don't think unity is at the top of the list. And I don't think unity should be at the top of the list. I don't even think unity should be on the list. If you're fighting for human rights, you want equality, not unity. Unity is a unity is what you get when people want to just appease you and tell you to shut up. You know, we're all one big happy family. Can't we just be unified? No, we can't. We can't be unified until we are equal. And we're all supposed to be equal, aren't we? Isn't that what the, the saying is? So the reality is, that made me incredibly angry. It did not sit well with me. It still does not sit well with me. And it, I don't think it should sit well with anyone. Unity is not the ideal. Not the ideal. Equality is the ideal. And until equality happens, real unity won't happen. It won't. It's impossible. You can't have a less than group and have equality and have unity because there'll always be a less than group. So get rid of that less than tag. Treat everybody the same across the board. That's not how America works right now. And until that happens, no equality, no unity. And I think that's what a lot of people are fighting for. Equality first. And then, and then you get unified. But until that, nothing's going to happen. It's just going to be what we got. And I think a lot of people like what we got. Yeah, a lot of people like the status quo in America. I am not one of them. And I hope that Ben Rothwell, who calls Kenosha home, is not one of them. And I hope Karen Bryant's not one of them. And I hope many, many people, many more people are not thinking of unity and are instead thinking of equality. And with that, I'm going to call it a night and be back on Monday. Until then, stay safe.